0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of College and Kombucha. For those of you who are just joining us, my name is Walter, and like always, I'm glad that you could tune in this week. Um, so when I was coming up with um, topics to fill out the rest of the season, um, one of the suggestions that I got was to cover community college and or um trade schools, certificate programs, stuff like that. Um, So I was originally going to talk about that for this episode, but um, in the past week, a headline came out that the UC system is now eliminating um, SAT and ACT requirements. And so I kind of figured that that would be kind of a perfect topic to cover on an episode. And since it is Um, A pretty hot-button topic right now, and it's very current. Um, A lot of people, when I asked on my Instagram um, what people wanted to hear this week, by a long shot, it was the SAT, ACT elimination um, requirement that people wanted to hear about this week. So, um, on top of that, too... um, this topic was literally what my final presentation was on this past semester and so all of the research and the reading that I did was definitely very top of mind and it still is and so it is still very fresh in my mind all the things that I researched and read about and so I figured why not like it's it's a very um, current topic it's still very top of mind for me right now so, and it's what people wanted to hear about. Um people wanted to know like my opinions and my thoughts on it and surprisingly um so I I had posted about the headline on my Instagram and surprisingly people were actually like coming to me asking me what my thoughts were on that. And um so that's basically what this podcast episode is going to be is um my thoughts on um, the u c eliminating the standardized test requirement for admission, and um so this is going to be a little bit more if i 've spoken to you about um what my thoughts were over text, this episode is going to be um, a little bit more of me elaborating on those thoughts because there's only so much that you can send over text um, and there's a lot that I kind of want to say and there 's a lot that I want to cover in this episode and so um yeah, this is that's basically what this episode is going to be. Um I'll, I will also say that um in terms of like standardized testing, SAT, ACT, all that kind of stuff and the repercussions and the effects that it's going to have on the higher education institution as a whole, I feel like there's so many different avenues to go with that. There are so many different ways that it'll affect um, higher education. Um, but the way that I am choosing to look at it right now, the way that I'm going to um, discuss it in this episode is through um, a cultural lens, um, through a racial lens. Um, and that, that was sort of um, the lens that I used throughout my entire graduate school program, as I was doing research on different topics, I always looked at it from um, the lens of ethnicity, diversity, um, and how different topics pertain to um, marginalized students, um, students of color, um, historically low socioeconomic students, um, and how these topics affect that demographic of students, and so um, that was sort of like the normal um, knee-jerk reaction to me hearing about this, is looking at it through um, a cultural lens like that, and through the lens of um, historically marginalized students, and so that's what this episode is going to be. Um, So with all that being said, um, someone else had also suggested that I sort of go into what the purpose of standardized testing is, um, and, or what it originally was and like how it sort of evolved since then. So I did a little bit more research. <laughs> um, I put on my research cap back on. Um, I never thought I'd have to do that ever again, but for this episode I did. <laughs> um, so I, I looked up a little bit of a brief history of standardized tests and, uh, forgive me if, This part is going to be a little bit boring, but I found it interesting, and um, it gave me more context into some of the things that I had researched a couple weeks ago for my final presentation. So I hope you enjoy this information as much as I did, Um, but I think it gives a really good context to what we're going to talk about today. So anyway, um, so history of standardized tests, Uh, by the way, um, I because like like I said this is what my final presentation was on so I literally have my group's powerpoint in front of me um and I referenced it I referenced our group notes too as I was putting this episode together and like doing my research and putting my notes together so there's my education coming in very handy um, in sort of a tangible way, but hopefully it's of some importance and of value to you, the listener, right now. Um, so anyways, um, I'm also kind of kicking myself because, um, I did not save my own presentation notes from a couple of weeks ago because just like anyone else finishing school, I was like, I'm not going to need these anymore. And lo and behold, I did. (laughs) Um, And, but that's okay. Um, I still had like our group notes and stuff, and I just had to do a little bit more research on the history of standardized tests. So, with all of that being said, um, I'll just dive into a brief history. Um, So, through the 19th century, um, college entrance exams were originally oral tests that were administered on the Eastern seaboard and at the turn of the century these oral examinations made the transition into written examinations that were administered at private high schools for admission into elite private colleges and um these were also essay-based tests they last they lasted a week long um they were called the college boards um and they consisted of a culmination of topics that were typically learned in their high school curriculum at their um, private boarding school. Um, So the SAT, as we know it today, um, was first administered in 1926 by the College Board, um, and the SAT was originally administered to Army recruits during World War I, And the president of Harvard at the time caught wind of this test, and he sort of adapted it for himself to use um, to identify highly talented young men from from obscure backgrounds who could potentially enroll and have a successful academic career at Harvard University. Um, So, in 1934, Harvard began using the SAT to award scholarships and it was also during the same time period that the College Board adapted this test to be multiple choice instead of fully essay based. Okay, um, more on that. So, the test began to be more widely administered in the 1950s and because of this huge undertaking, the Educational Testing Service, or ETS, so the company that currently administers it right now, um, absorbed the um, administering role. um, So they took it away from College Board, or College Board gave that role to ETS um, because of how widely spread this test was. Um, And so ETS took it on. um, And then in in the late 1950s, the ACT was developed by a professor at the University of Iowa as an attempt to increase numbers of Americans attending college. Um, and so um, the professor that created the ACT was against the SAT um, because he wanted he wanted college to be more accessible to people. And so um, the ACT was used... Um, primarily for um, people who wanted to go to public universities, and it was used um, both as a college admissions exam as well as a placement exam. And so um, I'm not sure if this is still true today, but um, as I was doing my research, I found that Um, At at least at the time, the ACT was popular among public institutions, while the SAT was the exam of choice for private and elite colleges and universities. Okay, so that was kind of the history on standardized testing, the SAT, the ACT, and all that stuff, and so now um, I want to go into the meat of um, today's topic, and Um, I feel like in order to dive into the SAT and the ACT and the repercussions, um, we have to acknowledge something called shadow education. And so what that is is basically private tutors, um, standardized test prep courses, and materials and software in order to help students be prepared for the SAT or the ACT. Um, The benefits of this obviously are higher test scores and therefore admission and enrollment into higher caliber and elite colleges and universities. Um, People who benefit from shadow education. Um, So because shadow education typically involves external, private, aka expensive resources, um, people of higher socioeconomic status tend to be the ones who reap the benefits of shadow education more than those who can't afford them. Um, And so people with these extra resources are also typically the ones who are able to take the exams more than once um, and high socioeconomic status students are also more equipped and prepared to then take these exams. So with all that being said, um, how does this impact lower socioeconomic status students. So obviously, like I said before, um, higher test scores also means um, a higher chance of acceptance into colleges and universities, especially private and elite colleges and universities. So because lower socioeconomic student, socioeconomic status students, I'm just going to refer to that as SES from now on. (laughs) So it is a mouthful, so if I say SES, that that translates to socioeconomic status, SES. Okay, so anyway, um, so low SES students don't have access to the same external resources that their high SES counterparts do, um, and so because of that, low SES students are far less prepared for these exams, thus resulting in lower test scores, and so they tend to be overlooked by colleges and universities that prioritized high standardized test scores. Um, And to give you all a quote um, from the research that I did a few weeks ago, um, I forget who said it, and I forgot which journal it was published in, but I do know that the lady who said it, her last name is Lou, but that's okay because she's not listening to this right now. But anyway, um, her quote is, a college access consequence that it sorry a college access consequence is that students from low socioeconomic backgrounds who are not able to afford test preparation and multiple test administrations are at greater risk of being further disadvantaged in the college admissions process um so if low socioeconomic status students are overlooked in the college admissions process, then that kind of perpetuates the cycle of them remaining in that low SES um, background, um, causing them to, yeah, causing them to be stuck in this status. And so them not having the necessary resources because of their low income status causes them to be overlooked by colleges and universities. And so they typically either don't end up going and enrolling in college or they end up dropping out. Um and so they don't they tend to um not get their degree. And so they they're I guess like they're not able to get as high of a caliber high caliber of a job that people with degrees get. And so the 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 cycle just keeps on going, um, and they're sort of, like, stuck in this hole, um, because of their, because of something that's kind of out of their control, right? Um, so, yeah, anyway, that was, that was the impact on low socioeconomic status students, and now, which I feel like is gonna be the bulk of this episode, is, the impact on race and ethnicity and diversity on a college campus um, having sorry whoa well, sorry, having the ACT and the ACT be prioritized by colleges and universities so um, in terms of enrollment, um, African American, Hispanic, and Native American students are disav- are typically the most disadvantaged by admissions policies because of low test scores. Um, excuse me. Um, and, you know, even though, like, yes, there are several, like, there are some of these students who are able to get accepted and enroll into the college of their choice, it's important to acknowledge that, um, increased access to education does not necessarily mean increased success once they're in school, but, that's a whole different topic that I may talk about later. Um, that's a whole other can of worms that you have to open. So if you want to know more about that, please let me know and I'll put something together and I'll talk all about it because that's literally all I did in my graduate school program is um, look at college access and equity gaps and all of that stuff. But anyway, we're talking about the SAT and the ACT today. So, there is a huge cultural bias with standardized testing so there is a very clear issue in regards to ethnic and socioeconomic diversity on higher education campuses because of admissions test requirements Um, because they tend to receive lower admissions test scores um, african-american hispanic latinx and native american students are on are on average disadvantaged by admissions policies that emphasize test scores um and the current structure of college counseling in um low SES urban schools hinder test preparation and urban schools are um populated mostly by the demographic of students that I just said which are Um, African American, Hispanic, Latinx, Native American students, first generation students, low socioeconomic students, all of these students all live in areas where they enroll in urban schools. And the current structure of college counseling at these schools hinder their test preparation. Um, So going off of that, the inherent cultural bias on standardized tests greatly disadvantage um, this demographic of students. And it's been said that, and it's been found that standardized tests fail to predict college performance for students of color the same way that it predicts college performance for white students. Um, Students of color and other marginalized students who attend urban schools are not given adequate information regarding standardized tests. So they're not given enough information about what material is going to be covered on these tests before taking them. And because they are, they typically are first generation students, they can't turn to anyone else except teachers and administrators and faculty at their schools. Um, but the thing with that is that. All of the practice that they get in the classroom is so highly unstructured. Um, and so they. this goes back to the fact that um, this is just like at any high school. I feel like um, SAT and ACT is not, or preparation for the SAT and ACT, it's not really prioritized in high schools um, because there's a curriculum that they need to follow, um, which is why SAT and ACT prep courses exist so that it can um, supplement the things that they do learn during the school day. But like I was saying before, these extra courses and these extra test prep materials and tutors and all of that stuff, all of that costs money that not everyone has. And so if you don't have the money, then you're solely relying on the unstructured practice that you're getting in the classroom and it's not really preparing you for the actual test once you take it. And so um, of course you're gonna get lower test scores because um, you're not gonna perform as well because you aren't prepared as well as your other classmates were. And you know, even though you did take it, now you know what's on the test, but of course it costs money to take the SAT and the ACT. And so any chances of you, if you are from a low socioeconomic background, chances are you're only going to take that test once because um, you can't afford to take the test again in order to gain a higher score. And so you're unable to get into um, the college of your choice or any college or whatever. And so this cycle just like keeps continuing. And so it's, it's a very aggravating (laughs) and agitating process, um, which is why I feel like the standardized, standardized testing just needs to be eradicated. But that those are my thoughts that I'm going to go over once I'm done going through all of these topics. But anyways, um, back on this, out of that tangent, um, African American and Hispanic and Latinx students who attend urban public schools also struggle with getting basic and timely information about admissions tests. So things like understanding why they need to take these tests, right? It's not really emphasized in their schools. It's not really emphasized in the classroom. Um, If they do go to a school that's not an urban school, or if they, I feel like maybe at any school, I don't know, I went to one high school. (laughs) Um, But it, I feel like teachers today and when I was in high school I feel like they tend to assume that students know why the SAT and the ACT are important in terms of college access otherwise um, if they don't then it's just another test that they have to go to that they have to pay for and it's really hard and it takes up majority of their Saturday and it's like why do I have to do this um but Yeah, a lot of these students don't really understand the importance of these tests and when they can take these tests and how often to take them. And because, like I was saying, most of these students are also first-generation students, they're extremely dependent on their schools for this information. But the reality is that some of these high schools are failing to give them this information. And so that's another contributor to their low... SAT and ACT score that contributes to them not being able to go to college or to the college of their choice. And so they tend to just get stuck in um their socio their low socioeconomic background because none of this is ever communicated to them, right? And like if you're a first generation student other than maybe your peers or Um, maybe some distant family member, you don't really know to even ask these questions. And so it's in the hands of administrators in high schools and in some colleges to divulge this information to them because they're not going to know otherwise. You know, they're not going to know, like, what's important to them, especially people of different cultural backgrounds. There are different... They have different priorities and they have different... um, they have different cultural values that other people aren't really aware of. And so things like maybe their priority is family. Maybe their priority isn't education. Um, and so it's me in my own opinion, I greatly value education and education is really, really important to me and I see the value in it. And so my hope when I do become an administrator is to, um, uh share that knowledge with students that I work with and hopefully um make education important to them as well. Not necessarily to take the place of some of their other priorities but to um just sort of raise the priority of education in their own lives. Um, so yeah that that was the impact on race and ethnicity and diversity And so now is when we go into um, the topic of now doing away with standardized tests. Um, So I know it was like pretty big news that the UC system is now doing away with SAT and um, ACT requirements. Um, But in June of 2019, the University of Chicago um, announced that it was going test optional to encourage more first-generation and low-income students to apply. And so they joined um, a short list of other schools who also did the same thing to make um, test scores optional, making these standardized tests optional. Um, And so a year later, um, the bigger impact was of um, going test optional is that the University of Chicago saw a much more diverse freshman class with more low income first generation veteran and rural admits to their school which is pretty awesome right like because before um if uh these students um if um the SAT and the ACT was prioritized it was prioritized before and so maybe a lot of people who wanted to apply couldn't because, or they didn't bother to because of their low test scores, or maybe they couldn't afford to take the test. But now that they made it optional, um, the incoming freshman class the year following um, this change, they saw a more diverse student body. Um, But again, like I said, it is great and awesome that college access is becoming far greater now than it was before. But once you get those students in your school, then what are you going to do to help them succeed, right? But again, like I said, that's a whole other topic that I'll probably talk on later. Um, Let me know if you want to hear my thoughts on that. I'm more than happy to let you know. Um, But yeah, anyways, um, so in terms of what will take the place of standardized tests? Um, some people have asked me that. Um, what I think um, they'll replace the a- the SAT and ACT requirement with, like, if that'll if another test will take its place. The hope for me, in my opinion, is that um, colleges and universities will have a more holistic approach to. Um, to looking at applications. Um, I think we all know that standardized tests aren't an accurate representation of a student's work ethic, study habits, um, what kind of a person they are. Um, If anything, they just show how good you are at taking tests. Um, And so with the elimination of the SAT and ACT, hopefully students, sorry, hopefully schools will take on a more like I said, holistic approach to reviewing applications. So looking at things like extracurricular activities, community involvement, socioeconomic background, and maybe even ethnicity. Um, I'm not saying that if you are a student of color, you're going to take the priority over um, over a white student because that's not right either. But again, like I was saying before, people of different cultural backgrounds have different... Um, cultural ethics. Um, they have different, they're raised with, um, I can't think of the word right now, um, but different priorities than other students do. And so it's, it's more than just increasing the diversity of the campus, but it's making sure that you're able to successfully serve these students in a way that is fair and in a way that you've also been serving different demographics of students in the past. Um, and so looking at things like those will hopefully create a more welcoming and conducive environment for all students. Um, no matter what your ethnicity, race, gender, socioeconomic background is it education needs to be, um, uh, it needs to be accessible for everybody is what I'm trying to say here. Um, so, um, I'm gonna jump on my soapbox a little bit right now. Forgive me, but this is my podcast. I can say what I want. Um, but if you look at the higher education institution as a whole, it is inherently racist, um, and that racist meaning um, meaning there was more of there, like. I don't know how to explain this, but white students were given more of a priority than students of color. And there was a little, there was an unfair power balance between white students and students of color. So that's what I mean by it being inherently racist. Um, In its beginnings, higher education served a very specific demographic of people, right? Um, Higher education institutions were only accessible to men, they were only accessible to rich men, and they were only accessible to rich white men. Um, So as much as we'd like to say that we've moved away from that and moved on from um, its racist past, um, it still operates on the same foundation as its racist past, and there's still such a long way to go. And one of the ways that it's been operating on that foundation is through standardized testing, which, again, um, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, um, in its history, standardized testing primarily only served a very specific demographic of people, which is basically privileged men, right? Um, And so it's sort of unfair to take that and to push that onto all demographics of people and just assume that It's going to work the same when, like I said, people have different cultural values than um, people of different cultures have different cultural values. And so it's unfair to just put a blanket solution or a blanket policy on all students and expect it to work because it doesn't. And I think we've definitely seen um, proof of that in the way that higher education currently functions. So. Now, because higher education has become so much more accessible to different demographics of people, the way it operates also needs to change and shift in the same direction. And moving away from standardized testing um, as part of the admissions process, I think, is a step in the correct direction, because um, even though all of this only happened probably because of COVID, um, but hopefully with this new policy in place, there will be a noticeable change in, um, diversity and success rates in higher education among students of color. Um, so yeah, that, that's basically all I wanted to talk about today. I hope all of that made sense and I wasn't like super rambling throughout this entire episode. Because truth be told, I I was just like reading off of my notes this whole time. Um, but I managed to fill about 30 minutes. So yeah, anyways, with, with all of that being said, um, if you have, if anyone has any questions, um, any thoughts, please do not hesitate to reach out. Um, I'd love to have a productive conversation with you um, about the SAT and ACT, maybe about um, just like um, equity gaps within education. Um, Like I said, I tend to look at things from um, a critical race theory lens. Um, So I look at things more from the perspective of historically underserved students, low socioeconomic students, um, marginalized students, all of them. And um yeah, I, I hope we can learn from each other if we do end up having that conversation. But I hope some of you, whoever's listening, learned something from this podcast, from this episode. I hope I presented myself in a very gracious and um factual way. But again, like I said, if you have any input, if you have any thoughts or questions, I'd be more than happy to have that conversation with you. So anyways, with all of that being said, thanks for listening. Um, if you have any topics that you want me to cover, please let me know. And I hope everyone's staying safe and sane amidst, um, I guess the end of the stay at home order, except for LA County. Um, yeah, I, I hope you all are having a good week and just a good time at home and just staying sane and all of this stuff. Um, but anyways, Yeah.